music is inclusive. Music is about inviting other people into your world. Music is about bringing people into your world. Music is about, you know, being a part of the world with other people. And um, this whole idea of rock stars and, and arenas is stupid. It's always been stupid. It's mm -hmm. made by people who want to make money. Hey everyone, it's Joel Freemark. You may know me as the Daily Guru, and this is Ear Fuel episode number three. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at, at GetEarFuel or at the Daily Guru. And hey, we're over on iTunes, so you can subscribe there to get the latest episodes delivered piping hot to, uh, um, to your account. I guess, to your pocket, I suppose. Uh, what you heard at the top was an excerpt from my interview with Dead Rock West, and we'll be getting to that in just a bit. It was a great conversation. We touched on everything from the drawbacks of digital music to marathon recording sessions to the secret that is the San Diego music scene ethos. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a really, really good time. I know you guys are going to dig it. Before that, though, there are a few new records that I want to bring to your attention, the first of which is the new release from Chelsea Wolfe, and it's called The Abyss. For those unfamiliar with her work, she does a sort of doomy, drone, metally, artsy, folky sound. It's, um, it's, it's really, really unique, and she's put out, I think, like seven or eight records over the past decade. There's a lot in her catalog. This album isn't too far of a departure from the sound that she usually brings, and the first few songs are as gorgeous as they are massive, and they're really, really gorgeous. The track Iron Moon has this death metal march, but it has a killer melody under it, and it's wonderfully heavy. It brings this really imposing feeling to the song that sort of looms around you. I really liked it a lot. There are also these soft parts that play brilliantly against that heavy sound, and it's just it's a really grand feeling overall. There's also songs like Dragged Out that are akin to Sleep's Dope Smoker on some levels. If you don't know that album, definitely go check it out. And at other points, it kind of sounds like typo negative with a female vocalist and a far more serious approach. Then you've got moments like the song Maw that have an almost PJ Harvey feel to them. And really, like, the first few songs have this icy darkness that for me was tailor-made for really crisp October evenings. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's, it's just, it's so good for that moment. But about five songs in... I felt like things started to get repetitive and honestly a bit boring. They've got the reverb on her vocals cranked up really high and it almost becomes nauseating and it's just, it's overdone. But one of my biggest issues with this record was that about halfway through there's this sharp shift in tone and often in tempo on almost every single song. While that's really cool, when you do it on every song, it gets lame fast. Songs like Survive and After the Fall suffer from this worse than others on the record, and it just, you know, it ends up coming off like she's a one-trick pony, and she so isn't. This album, in a lot of ways for me, it doesn't represent her overall level of talent. Because this happens on almost every song, it actually starts to become exhausting because you know what's coming, and the vocal seems to be the exact same on all but three or four songs, and it just, it kind of becomes this sonic blob. There are lots of good ideas on this album. There's no way around that. And I think it's going to come off a lot better in live performances. But for me, I'll spend the first four or five songs on this, really enjoy them, and then move on to something else. The next album I want to talk about is called Man Plans, God Laughs, and it's the newest effort from the iconic rap group Public Enemy. Now, Public Enemy have been steadily putting out new music every few years since 1987's groundbreaking Yo Bum Rush the Show, another album you have to know. And you just can't deny the fact that Chuck D's rhyming gets better with age. The biggest plus to this album is just how fantastic the orchestrations and backing sounds are on every single track. Gone are the days of just that bomb squad noise, which was great, don't get me wrong. 
and in its place are some of the most creative and hardest-hitting sounds I've heard in a long time. The music is really what it means to have rap music, and it is great. From the electro-funk feel of No Sympathy from the Devil, to the horn-laden Earthazin, to their killer reworking of the Rolling Stones' Honky Tonk Woman guitar part. You know, just, just it, you have to hear it, trust me. This album had me turning it up louder and louder as it went. And honestly, that doesn't happen very often with me for hip-hop. I usually find the level I wanted at, and it's good, but I could not get enough of the music here. For the most part, Chuck's rhymes are on point and work well with the music and feel for the particular track, but there were a few songs where he's clearly rapping way too slow for the tone underneath. I get that sometimes it's cool to work in half pace and stuff like that, it just doesn't come off right here. It's most obvious on songs like Me to We and Lost in Space and the vocal on Honky Tonk Rules beyond disappointing. I really want to hear somebody else work the beat and music on the last of those songs. It could become outright legendary with the right lyricist. If for no other reason than to hear the hook that they created there, you gotta check this record out. But overall, the rhymes are there, and I especially dig the line that he uses on a bridge when he says, An earth without art is just eh. Love that. The entire record clocks in at just 27 minutes, so I guess it's a little bit more of an EP than an LP if you want to get technical, but I think that due to the sounds and the hooks here, it's going to appeal just as much to longtime public enemy and hip-hop fans as it will to people who usually don't go for these genres. If you're hesitant, trust me, check out the music here, or check out the raps, or check out both. There's a ton to love on this record. The last record I want to review is the new album from Insane Clown Posse, and it's called The Marvelous Missing Link. Found. The Marvelous Missing Link, Found, is the 14th studio album and second part of the third Joker card in the second deck of the Dark Carnival saga by Insane Clown Posse. If what I just said made sense and means something to you, go get the album. If you're very, very confused, congratulations, you have taste in music and you have no need for this record. Moving on. This past weekend, I had the pleasure of seeing Dead Rock West play with X, and uh, the next day, Frank and Cindy from Dead Rock West were kind enough to sit down and chat with me. If you're unfamiliar with Dead Rock West, they're a completely kick-ass, alt-country, rockabilly, Americana, bit-of-everything band, and you know it's kind of like Roots Rock with a great tinge of punk attitude, and they just dropped their brand new album, and it's a tribute album to the Everly Brothers. It's really, really good. The two of them bring some of the most jaw-dropping harmonies you're going to find anywhere, and they're one of those bands that you can't help but fall in love with the second you hear any of their songs. I guarantee it. They're actually touring through late fall. We'll cover that in the interview, but make sure you go over to deadrockwest.com and show them some love. So without any further ado, my interview with Frank and Cindy of Dead Rock West. Is, is, is that kind of the, uh, do, they, do they have a nice big pot of coffee downstairs at the venue most nights oh yeah oh my they got God, good coffee yes. well at the city winery they got good coffee at the city yeah. winery are we home. close enough yes hello we and enough? welcome to movie fun. welcome <laughs> for welcome new movies movie you don't want to see press one <laughs> <laughs> that guy he's everywhere he's got a you know it, it's interesting though because nobody knows what he looks like yeah that's like, true like, that's like the perfect celebrity hello and welcome to movie like, phone until, <laughs> until you get his voicemail you have no idea you know, that's <laughs> true this is Tom and I'm not in it's like Whoa, hello you're <laughs> the movie phone guy <laughs> That guy's got a good that's gig. funny. You know, like there's there's this whole thing that's been going around here where people want to know uh, the voices of the New York City subway system, like who it is, and, the, and oh, they want to know the person. Yeah, apparently the woman lives in Maine who did it, and she's never been to New York City before. That's whoa. So it's like she's, she's almost doing this all like in the dark. Are you she's, kidding? That yeah, she's never been here. And the guy is, I think he's a newscaster. Actually, he's a local newscaster. That's crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, it's got to be interesting when she gets like the new scripts, like, oh, Spring Street. That sounds nice. <laughs> like Spring Street. That must be a, a, a cute that little neighborhood. Pretty. You would think like the MTA would at least like bring her down and say, hey, listen to yourself all day on the subway. <laughs> It'd probably freak her out. It'd yeah. freak me out. Yeah. Hello. Oh, that's that's me. Oh. Mind I guess, the gap. I, it might Mind be similar to like, gap. you know, the first time you hear yourself on the radio or something like that. And you're like, oh, like I know for me, I want to, when I hear myself, I just, I want to turn it off. Yeah. I kind of freak. I mean, I, not hearing songs, but hearing my voice. Yeah. I can't handle it. That's why mostly he's the one that talks. <laughs> mostly cause because I'm the most opinionated one. And then well, she's the one who goes too. like, you shouldn't have said that. Why you shouldn't say that. Say that. Be nice. <laughs> I say that way after the fact. Just well, yeah, not a couple not. days later. So you know that thing you said like, yeah, last week? Exactly. Don't say that again. Fire them up, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you, so you guys have been out with X for what? A couple weeks now? Yeah, two weeks. And we were only supposed to do these East Coast these two weeks. And yeah. then we got um, added on to the next two weeks. Nice. So we so exciting. So we go home for maybe two weeks and then we start up again. And then after that, we got another super amazing gig. It was like everything all at once. We're opening for um, Dave and Phil Alvin. Wow. Through November. Till no, through wow. November. Yeah. Till the end of November. That's, that's. <laughs> are, they, are they doing specific stuff, new stuff, old well, they're, stuff? They're putting out a brand new record in yeah. September. Nice. And uh, Alvin Brothers, what's it called? That's uh, a lot of talent right there, those two. I know. I'm, I'm so like, excited. You know, I was intimidated with the X tour, and I'm, and <laughs> I'm equally, if not more so, with this this uh, Alvin oh Brothers thing. Because yeah. it's, I mean, as far as, you know, West Coast goes, for me, the Holy Trinity is, you know, Alvin, Doe, and Case. Sure. Case, you know. Sure. So it's like, you know, I don't know. It's, it's going to be great. It's it's a great opportunity, and we're, I'm excited about it. Yeah. It's like, what's the saying where it's dry, dry, and then everything happens right. at once? It rains, it pours. Yes. Yeah. It's really true, except for, in this instance, we're not riding in the van. So it'll be, but we are riding, traveling with X, but we won't mm-hmm. be doing that with the Alvin Brothers. Okay. So it'll be a different experience, because it's fun being, you know, with the gang. With the gang sure, and sure. This one will be more like, hey guys, you know, it sounds. Hey check. Frank, don't do that. <laughs> 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 Slow down. Why are you speeding so fast? <laughs> That's right. And of your Holy Trinity, then I get to sing a couple more songs on Peter Case's record when I get home. The day I get home. Yeah. Because I sing on his new record, and then I'm doing a couple more things when I get home. So it's been like from well, not I wouldn't say nothing, but it's been you know it ebbs and flows, and now it's like bam all at once. So it's really. Well, yeah, and like I was saying, I didn't play music for a while, you know. What 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 kind of brought that back into your life? Like, what what made it almost um, okay? Was it was there a moment, or just you kind of woke up and it just it was okay yep, again? Exactly. Yeah, because I told you, you know, my brother Andy uh, <laughs> died from a drug overdose in 2012 mm-hmm. in in April, and you know, it was the one time I couldn't run to music. Yeah. It was the one time that I couldn't escape the sadness that mm-hmm. way, you know? And, and it literally, I woke up, uh, at the end of last year and, uh, one morning in December and it was, you know, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was like, he was saying to me, it's time to get back to work. And I just started to write. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we put out this, this Everly brothers record. And all of a sudden it's just been, it's gone from, 
you know, zero to warp speed, which is, I mean, we're happy to be on the road. Cindy and I both love to tour and, and play, you know, so it's, it's, it's all happened so fast, you know. Of course, Cindy is always, she's always staying busy, <clears throat> you know, singing on other people's records and really great people and, and everybody always, you know, I, I, I'm the luckiest guy in the world to get to sing with her because everybody always goes, wow, our voices sound so good together. And I always want to say to them, no, she sounds good singing with you. <laughs> you know, Thank you, Frank. <laughs> I mean, with, with, with that, you know, you, you, the harmonies that you two put together, the, they're extraordinary to begin with. My question is, they're, they're not always the same, which is most bands, they kind of have their harmony. You know, that, that's what happens. How do you guys feel that out when you're recording? You know, who's going to go where and what those harmonies are going to sound like? Oh, well, you know, like with the Everly Brothers um, record that we, we just put out, um, one of the reasons we did the record is because we were so blown away at the complexity of their harmonies, and they'll do this and this, mm-hmm. and then they'll do unison. So that one will be on top, yeah, uh, the top part of the melody, the other on the bottom, and then on the chorus they'll flip, you know. And that's, you know, for the Everlys, Cindy and I, we learned both parts, and so when we got in the studio, we just it just kind of fell together. Um, when we're working up songs, we do that. You know, if I if I bring a song to the table, um, I'll try it, and then she'll she'll sing with it, and then um, and then we'll maybe change the key, and then she'll sing it, and then I'll sing with her. You know, and we'll just and then we'll find like, oh, um, you sound best if you drop on the on the uh, bridge, and I go up higher, but on the rest, you you keep this spot of the melody and. So we just we try to keep open minded and and think about the the narrative of the song um, and you know plus Cindy's a much better singer than me so <laughs> that's I... not true. <laughs> it, are the are the Everlys uh, one of those groups that you guys both grew up with or did you kind of come to them later both for yeah, me yeah well, mm-hmm. I guess both I took them for granted mm-hmm. you know until our producer Mark Lynette we we did um, we did a couple of songs at, at his studio one day. At the end of the day, he, he kind of nonchalantly said, hey, you know, uh, you guys should consider doing an Everly Brothers song. I think you'd sound good doing it. And I, I sort of like, oh, yeah, that's cool, whatever, you know. But then I heard problems on the radio, and it was almost as if I'd never heard them before. And I realized in that moment that there's such a part of uh, American music culture that that they're so easy to pass over mm-hmm. because you, you you're it's... It's such a deep part of us, and it's everywhere. The Everly Brothers are everywhere, and people don't realize it. <laughs> you don't realize it yeah. until until we started knuckling in on knuckling down on the songs and listening. And and um, Mark was amazing as far as uh, you know, showing us songs that a lot of people probably don't know about, especially the California period mm-hmm. when they were out in the '60s. Yeah, it's something you take for granted because it's it's there all the time. But when we started getting into it. You, you just realize how how absolutely groundbreaking and brilliant the Everly Brothers are, you know, to music. Everything from everything from from country to pop to rock, you know. The, the even the Beatles they they covered something like half a dozen Everly yeah. Brothers songs. They they covered more of Everly's than they did of anybody else. You know, and you listen to the early Beatles stuff. They're not just borrowing from the Everly's. They're actually Lifting everything, yeah, harmonically, yeah. harmonizing wise, singing wise, from them, you know. Yeah. There's a reason. It's because it's fucking brilliant, you know. Yeah. 
Um, you know, it's it's been interesting that there are, uh, have been a handful of Everly Brothers records suddenly coming out, you know, different artists doing Everly covers. Yeah. Do do you think there's a reason that suddenly there is this and I'm I'm more than happy that there's been this resurgence of interest in them. What what do you think's brought us to that? Oh, that's a good Well, we were sort of <laughs> we when we first started doing this Mark Lynette said right after we recorded it, you guys have to hurry and put this out before anybody else gets this idea. <laughs> and then we had all this, you know, tragic stuff happen. For Just live stuff both and family of us. stuff. And so we yeah. weren't able to put it out. Some years went by. Well, we did it in 2010. Ten. Yeah, in before, 10 we made the that's record. That's when the recordings happened? Yeah, before, yeah, before the Billy Joe. Sure. Yeah. Be, sure. Before, you and know. Before the, I can't think of the other two. And I'm great. I'm yeah. stoked about that. I, I really think that... Um, you know, but I wish we would have been first, but we just didn't have the cash or the, you know, circumstantially our lives were, we were focusing a, on things that were more important, mm-hmm. really, frankly. Sure. But it is an interesting question. Maybe it's that whole thing of, you know, when you think of somebody and they call you. So you're putting it out there into the universe about thinking about Everly Brothers. I'm mean, not that we personally have that much power, but, but I mean, it, it's well, like, it's the a collective, conch, it's a collective conscious, conscious, you know, there's, and I really think that's, it's like at restaurants, mm-hmm. there's nobody at the restaurant, nobody at the restaurant. And then all of a sudden everybody decides sure, to feed sure, and then they show up and then that restaurant's super packed. You know, I, I think it's time for the Everly brothers to be heard again. I think it's time for, for people to, uh, to recognize what a massive influence they've had on, 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 you know, so much of American culture and, and music and all of that, you know, what amazing songwriters. I mean, they were amazing singers, but they were also incredible songwriters. Yeah. Separately and together. Well, and I think maybe, you know, I saw it as kind of part of the lineage of uh, people, this, this pushback we're seeing against overly synthetic stuff, you know, that people are starting to go back and do like lo-fi recordings and things yeah. like that, and and kind of getting away from the purely digital, everything has to sound exactly perfect sound, and that people are like, a little bit of dirt is good, and hey, you know, uh, I think American Idol just got canceled finally. Yeah, thank it did. Oh, so happy that you know people are people are people want real talent again. You know, they they want they want it to come from the right place. You know, we were talking about it earlier. Bands that are making music from the right place. Yeah. So, so when you guys were doing the uh, the sessions for the uh, It's Everly Time album, did you start off with a bunch of songs? You know, just kind of how did you decide which ones you wanted to eventually record and put on? Man, we we put a lot of 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 effort into it because we were we were it was a daunting task. You know, trying to take on the Everly Brothers is you know (laughs) you could fail at that real easy. But yeah. our original concept was to pick one album and do the whole album. We were going to do In Our Image. Yeah. Our, our producer, uh, Mark Lynette, wanted to do In Our Image. But we we started to realize that, you know, it's a guy and a girl doing this, and we need to we need to, to dig and, and seek those songs out that fit us mm-hmm. the best. You yeah. Know. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> so, so when did you did you did you uh, did you guys record more than made the record? Yes. You know, what, what was the, how did you guys kind of whittle down the fantastic catalog just to what you ended up recording? Uh, again, Mark Lynette, he just kept feeding us. Yeah, I mean, yeah. scores of songs, scores of songs, so much music. We spent probably two or three months at least just listening, mm-hmm. and um, and when we got into the studio. Uh, we initially were going to just track and then do vocals, but we ended up doing everything live. Mm-hmm. 
and we did we did recorded 17 songs in four days. Wow! And it was at the end. Cindy and I were <clears throat> sure. I'm, I'm glad that's all. <laughs> sure. Song. Yeah. It was it was an amazing experience. It was daunting. She and I were terrified. We didn't have a band, you know, to practice with. We were just learning the songs to sing. So mm-hmm. we practiced alone in our cars, and that's why we learned both parts. <laughs> sure, sure. You know, we had Elliot Easton from the Cars on the session, whom we had never met. Yeah, we met until him the, the first day, day. You know, he walked in the studio. <laughs> um, you know, and and uh, of course DJ Bonebreak from X, who we've worked with on our previous record, and we're already friends with, and then mm-hmm. our regular band guys and then special guests but anyway the the uh the idea of going in there and recording those songs was we were terrified sure i was but i felt like once we started the first one we did was problems which is a bonus track now Mm -hmm. but when we started the first song we were so scared and then after it was over after the first you know okay let's just try this we went into I'm, the control room and listened to it, the, all of us. Yeah. Well, no, I realized just while we were singing it, oh, this is you fantastic. Did. This is going to work. And then I felt such relief. Yeah. Oh, see, I, I remember all of us going, <laughs> yeah. filing into the... It was a little different. Yeah, into the control remember. room, you know, because it's all an, a new group of guys, sure. you know, a new combination of musicians and such. And you, you're always curious about how it's going to pan out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we yeah. got lucky. And and uh, we walked in there and, and Mark threw it up on the speakers and I remember looking over at Elliot and and looking around at at Dave our bass player and like oh this is gonna be fun and and then the pressure kind of released a little bit and we just kind of went for it from there because you know that this is gonna do it. we just felt yeah we it was all of a sudden it was like okay this is this is happening you know Um, first the vocals were just gonna be scratch tracks and then I realized after the first um song too like oh wow we're gonna be able to use these because mark set up these amazing microphones just in case Uh uh-huh so that just in case happened you know sure for the whole however many songs we recorded (laughs) yeah the vocal chain that he used uh it was some you know fancy neumann's Mm -hmm. facing me and cindy were were facing each other and he ran through the the original universal audio four channel board that la woman was recorded on and um and ran each of our vocals into, uh, we each had our separate Fairchilds. Wow. So, you know, yeah, he was already setting us up for success. Right, when I yeah, heard yeah. the vocal sounds, you know, I thought, oh, that sounds like marvelous. That. Hello and welcome <laughs> to Movie Phone. <laughs> that, is, that is how they record the Movie Phone sounds, you know. Of course. <laughs> so, you know, you had the whole band then when you were doing the recordings. And now for the shows, at least with X, it's just the two of you. Yeah. yeah. Um, do the songs feel different to you? To me, yes. It's but it's a whole. It's it's a different experience. Yeah. You have to, you know, we've, you know, you you shorten them in certain ways and mm-hmm. and tailor them for. But you come back to the germ of it, and that's to me what a, a great song is. You know, yeah. is we can we can pull it off because the Everly's songs are great, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's a lot of fun to have all the instrumentation there and and the drums and all of that stuff. But uh, it, but ultimately, it's unnecessary, provided we can deliver the goods, you know, with the singing, mm-hmm. you know, because the songs are really great. The, so- the songs are there for you. They're already. great. Yeah. They're, they're just they're asking us part. to, yeah, yeah, to use them. You're like, oh, please use me. <laughs> and they only wanted us as a duo, so it was already a challenge thinking, oh, we're opening up for a punk rock band as a duo. As an acoustic duo yeah. singing Everly Brothers. But yeah. Then we they're going to kill us. <laughs> right, right. Ex- you know, I mean... It it is a very interesting combination, yeah. you know. X kind of one of those seminal 
LA you Truly. know punk bands. Yeah. Um and you know, and I saw firsthand last night, it it works great. Has has Thank that you. kind of been the thing the whole tour? Yes. Yeah, we've been very so gracious. lucky because we didn't know. Mm-hmm. And the first night we took it a step further for ourselves and thought as long as we're diving in and doing this, let's just do this that a cappella song, yeah. the chain to a memory, which we did it in we, Philadelphia. I I, I told it's oh, yeah. a good testing ground. Jesse Dayton, yes. I told him I was like it's like we're in Philadelphia in a punk rock club and I said, you know, I think we're gonna open up with an a cappella song. <laughs> and, yeah. and he, he says goes, like Don't he do goes, that. dude, this is Philadelphia. They're gonna kick They're gonna your kill ass. You. Right. You know? <laughs> right, right. But if but if it can if it's passable it, in Philadelphia, you're fine. Well, you're gonna you're gonna be okay, right, you know. Right. And it was actually that it was it was crazy. We didn't even get halfway through the first verse and you could hear a pin drop. It was incredible. It was a, it was yeah. a, it was a really special. But you know, honestly, that's it's it's a big testament to ex fans yeah. because they're smart, they're open minded, and and they figure like, well, if X likes them, they must be cool. Sure. I mean, it's it's they're really they're loyal, um, but they're smart. They're not a bunch of meatheads. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen that show after show after show. It's it's been a special experience. They're such a special band. Mm-hmm. Really are. Well, it was really cool at the end of the set when they came out and you guys all did the number together. Yeah. Which was gorgeous. Thank you. Um, it was so much fun. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and, and I think that did show because, you know, the crowd definitely there and definitely, I mean, it's just, it was so much fun. You said, though, that jumping back, that the Everleys were someone you, you both came to early and later in life. I have, well, my brothers are much older than I am. And so they left records at home. And, uh-huh. and when I started listening, I would just listen to what was there basically so it was like Everly Brothers Beatles Beach Boys Led Zeppelin you I've know heard of one or two of those bands <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah. I would just listen and listen and sure till I was done with that and then move on so yeah for me and early and then I sort of forgot about all that for a while and probably got in some bad music phase and then came back around to it because uh-huh. I was so bored with modern music that I always whenever I'm bored I always go back the basics so that's for me but i don't know about Frank. i don't i probably you know came to the everly brothers through emmylou harris and mm-hmm. linda ronstadt actually because when i was you know a wee little child <laughs> my mom you know she played mahalia jackson and, and elvis presley and um and and at that time in the 70s like uh, heart like a wheel mm-hmm. And Emmylou Harris, you know, they they sang Everly stuff and and uh, recorded that stuff. And of course, the Everly Brothers are on the radio. You, you know, sure, you can't escape the Everly Brothers, and which isn't necessarily a bad thing. No, I mean, you know, it's it. They're one of those groups that I, I sometimes get concerned that you know, uh, oh, I hate using this phrase. The youth of today will kind of miss out on certain things because yeah. I think the Everlys are such a touchstone. Yeah. Um, to if if you want to create in any way musically, mm-hmm. there's something you need to know, and I wonder if in the age of the internet, they're going to kind of get forgotten a bit. Mm-hmm. No, I hope not. I mean, that's one reason. Um, that's one reason I I think we made this record. Uh, really, we made this record because we were so excited at the idea of re- recording their songs that that we did it. But I think another reason why we did it now in hindsight is is because they deserve to be heard and you know in the old old rock and roll and folk music tradition it's common for bands to play songs by other bands mm-hmm. nowadays they don't do it i think because of you know 
managers and and the music business people have figured out you know the publishing part and you know well you gotta you gotta make money and get rich you know and yeah and so the culture the culture of tipping your hat to the past or or to an influence has sort of disappeared a little bit i mean all those bands the the stones the beatles the who you know and and american bands it's, it's uh it was a good it used to be a good thing when you would record other people's songs because it would show where you came from Right, and then the fans could go dig in and say, oh, you know, they, they're playing a song by whomever. I'm going to go find out about this band. And it, it cultivates the cult- a culture of music instead of the separatism of, you know, one super giant big star mm-hmm. and everybody else's. Right, like, I'm into Radiohead and all other bands yeah. suck. It's just dumb. It's <laughs> yeah. dumb thinking. Well, it's kind of, you know, I, I joke sometimes when people are like, oh, well, who's who's the better drummer, Keith Moon or John Bonham? And I've had this argument because it's John Bonham. But, um, you know, I, I, I always say the great thing is, though, you can listen to both. You know, you don't have to be so firmly in one camp. You know, it's, they're not warring factions. And, and I get concerned sometimes that people just they, they will blow off another band simply because it's not the band I like as much. Um, but I digress. I digress. No, it's OK. I'm, but here's here's the thing, you know, like. Uh, one person, one journal journalist person referred to uh, what we're doing as as a covers record. It's not. It's a tribute record. Sure. There's yeah. a big difference. Yeah. Uh, a covers record is is like uh, something cheesy somebody does. It's cute and novel. Mm-hmm. A tribute record is something that you make in honor of somebody and and to remember them and to and to to reconsider them and to look at them seriously. You know, and that's what we're doing here on this record, in my opinion. Every song that we're doing, I believe in 100%, and, and it's not novel for me. I, I put my heart into it on the record, and Cindy did too, and we do every night when we play them. They're, it's not a game for us. I hope a lot of these songs we keep in our set for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, Well, they fit, they fit so well with the rest of your catalog. Um, you know, just, just when you, you kind of go to you know, the other albums, Honey, Salt, and all that. Um, was you know when when you were putting together the set list for the show, did you kind of say, "Oh wow, these songs just they they work perfectly," or were you just like, "These are the six songs we want to play from the new records. Let's find a way to." Get or here's the back. six songs we can play. Uh huh. <laughs> you know, because we had a band on the sure. record. Right, 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 right. I'm yeah. not a fancy guitar player, <laughs> yeah. so you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, I mean, "Chain to a Memory." We've been doing a cappella, mm-hmm. and it's it's really coming across fantastic. Yeah, in my opinion. It but is, the real yes. reason is because. Somebody can't play those fancy chords. <laughs> well, you know? what he said, I, can't. I said, what about this song? He goes, I can't play it. I said, let's do it a cappella. Acapulco. Acapulco. Do it acapulco. Yeah. Um, are you guys writing on this tour at all still? Or are you just kind of focused on show to show? Are you guys constantly writing new stuff? We have a whole record. We have a whole record of, of new songs okay. that um, we're hoping to record. Fairly Jando's soon. actually going to produce our net, our nice. new originals yeah. record, and I'm excited. I'm excited about it, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, actually, yeah. I mean, I I got too many songs right now. Then I kind of have put the brakes on, mm-hmm. you know, because there's there's too many. Right. I, that sounds weird to say, but no, it's no, no, it's no, a focus yeah. thing, you know. For me, if right. I if I just keep like keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, it's it's easier to not finish things, mm-hmm. you know. And, we really we're excited. I, I hope this this record, uh, this Everly Brothers record, um, helps us garner enough interest that we can kind of like quickly get into the studio mm-hmm. and make another record mm-hmm. because 
well, we actually were going to be in the studio in September, but then we got the Alvin Brothers tour. Such a hassle, that I know. Such I a shoot. terrible Man. dilemma. <laughs> so we have to push it back. Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> and and do, are you guys normally pretty fast in the studio, or do you like to go in and like create within the studio environment, or do you kind of like to have the record ready? All three records, yeah. That's how that's it's. That's how yeah. The songs definitely have them together and have an idea about how we're breaking up the harmonies and the keys and stuff because that's that's the interesting part about mm-hmm. singing in a duo is you know thinking considering uh the narrative of the tune like sometimes if if i write a song it might be a cool song but i don't really sound good singing it and then i'll bring it to cindy and then she'll go oh you know why don't you change the key and and then and then she'll start singing it and and then we'll shorten a part or lengthen a part and then all of a sudden it's super rad mm-hmm. You know, and so it takes it takes a different kind of working with the two singers because, you know, our goal is to not be lead singer, harmony singer. Sure, sure. You know, where which is the typical approach. You know, I, John Doe and Exine and Graham Parsons and Amy Lou Harris. Um, I can't think of other examples right now, but you know, those both are are great examples of duos vocal duos that are reliant on each other and that's when we started dead rock west that was the whole idea is you know to to really try to sing great songs and to do them well so that you the two voices become one instead of pasting one voice on top of another or below it or something you know because that's boring after a while as a singer it just gets it's not so much fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's where you're just like, okay, I know, I know your band's harmony. It's the same thing every single yeah. time. Not you, but in general, right. you know, when, yeah, you, when yeah. you hear those bands, yeah. you know, and that's why I think so many people are blown away by things like, you know, the harmonies on Pet Sounds or something like that, where they're just they're yeah. working all over the place. Yeah, that's right. what you're supposed to do is is have fun with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The Everly Brothers, uh, uh, the Leuven Brothers. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh boy, even you know, yeah, digging deep. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know that stuff is is great. Yeah. So. Is this something that's kind of the, the, the style of creativity representative of the San Diego music scene in a way? Because I feel like of all of the different cities in music, San Diego gets overlooked all the time for just, you know, how much great and diverse music comes out of it. Um, I agree. What, what, is, what is the local scene there like, just being a part of it? Because it seems very collaborative, like everybody is on everybody's records and stuff like that. It is. And, uh, you know, um, San Diego is unique. In, in many ways, when the whole grunge thing was happening, the labels started to get hip to the fact that there was a really good rock and roll scene going on in San Diego, and they were trying to shoehorn it into the new into the whole grunge thing. Mm-hmm. And all the San Diego bands were like, "Fuck that! We're San Diego music," you know. And you know, and even when I was playing like folk music, or in, I had a band called the Hatchet Brothers, which was a terrible bastardization of country music, and there was everybody from folk musicians to um, the rock and roll guys and the dragons and, and rocket from the crypt. And, uh-huh. you know, like we would all meet at the old sod on Wednesday at the, you know, Joey Harris from the beat farmers. It's like, and everybody played well together. It wasn't broken up in factions. And I, I feel like it's still that way in San Diego. It's, it's, um, it's really unique in that way, you know, really special mm-hmm. um 
the circle is it's very inclusive as far as styles of music and the musicians who they just you know it's just a unique place i've never been around something like that yeah just it just seems strangely strangely supportive and really everybody is with everyone you know last night with a couple people we were we were just kind of playing friend geography of just the different people from the san diego scene that we knew and it was just um yeah you don't you know you're not gonna with minimal offense to the city we're sitting in right now you're not gonna see that in new york city it just doesn't happen and it might be due to the size of the city but san diego also seems to uh the music in general usually has a much warmer sound to it um and and just more of a welcoming sound uh, is, that, is that something that just kind of comes from the environment? Yeah, I think it's I, I think it's sort of because of the geography. Mm-hmm. San Diego is a big city that acts like a little town in a way because it's really spread out. It's California. It's way wide open. And you have that, that wonderful weather and the beach. So, right. you know, that's that definitely affects it. But it doesn't mean, you know, this is a funny part. Um... um <laughs> about uh southern california people go like oh you know it's so nice and and uh the weather's so so wonderful and you got the beach how could you ever have any angst you know <laughs> and i just want to smack them when i hear shit like that because you know living is hard for everybody yes. everywhere yes. dumbass <laughs> you know and um but it it does it's conducive to to making a, whatever sound it is i, I don't know i i don't know how I'm all jacked up on coffee right now, but I don't know how sounds develop. Do we, do we need to strap you down to the chair? I don't know how sounds develop and cultures develop uh, in places, um, but it definitely happens. You know, like yeah. the whole Chicago blues thing, you know, that, that sh- the Chicago sound, you know, was really different than blues that was happening in other places. Mm-hmm. And how did that happen? I'm not real sure. I'm sure somebody could explain it to me. Sure. How, how does how does San Diego... Uh, how does it stay so special? You know, I don't know. It's it's a unique place. It has a sound. It's just like uh, Boston. You know, mm-hmm. the, the the music there, and the, of course the music here in New York. You know, has 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 a thing to it. You know, even like, I think there's a dress code. You have to wear black, right? Yeah, yeah. Lou Reed put that into effect. And okay. Nobody, nobody's pushed. Back nobody, on and it you since. know, it's a good color. <laughs> yeah, it works. You, know, you don't. It black is the new black. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's just you know. You, you do it. Rest Lou, his soul. When, when Lou when Lou made a statement, okay, perfect. That's yep. what we're gonna do because yep. Lou said so. Um, you know, like I know. Uh, um, when you guys are writing, do you do because you said you know you have a bunch of songs and you kind of had to put the brakes on it. Do you write separately or you know bring songs together or is it mostly you? How do how do the songs come into existence? Well, it's mostly him, but then I have ideas and I bring it to him. Or we have a friend, um, Greg Sarfati and both of us write with him and mm-hmm. then collectively get together. The idea is to get the songs however you can. Yeah. You know, and, and um, I, I like to co-write and, uh, you know, Cindy, Cindy definitely writes and she writes, but she doesn't, I, you know, I, if I don't do it, I eat my own paw. Uh-huh. So, you know, I'm kind of that guy. If I don't, if I'm not doing something creative, it's, it's on how I'm going to go out and be stupid or something. Sure. You right, know? right. Um, but the idea is, you know, set set the ego aside, and that's set the ego aside and honor the song, and play good songs, and play them well, mm-hmm. and that's a lot what this Everly Brothers project has been about for me. You know, is 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 uh, finding good songs and and just recording them. Again, you know, this is a culture and music that we've lost. Emmylou Harris 
and Johnny Cash both are are great great artists, singers and 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 writers. But the fact is is I would say probably I don't know what the percentage is, but at least half of what they ever recorded was written by other people. Absolutely. Yeah. But that doesn't it doesn't mean that they're a covers band. What it means is is as artists they're able to 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 curate and find it's one thing I love about country music in general, especially in the 60s and 70s, where the idea was to just like to curate uh, songs for your artistry and to, and to reinterpret those songs uh, through your ears. And I wished, I wished rock bands and, you know, punk bands and all those would, would be more like that. That's something that I think is so good for music. It's so good for the culture of music and it's it's something that music music is inclusive music is about inviting other people into your world music is about bringing people into your world music is about you know being a part of the world with other people and um, this whole idea of rock stars and, and arenas is stupid it's always been stupid it's mm-hmm. made by people who want to make money and there's room for all of us you know and uh, I would really love for that to 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 come back. But, you know, I feel that on the road with, with X and Jesse Dayton has been sitting in for Billy zoom while he's having cancer treatment. Mm -hmm. And the one thing, you know, we were up till about six this morning (laughs) listening to songs. I mean, everybody, everything from tears, tears, it's not seven 30 in the morning right now. (laughs) (laughs) To, you know, like magic Sam and, and, you know, Dave Van Ronk and all kinds of crazy stuff, you know, just, uh, and feeling that inclusiveness amongst my peers right. uh, is such a great feeling. And, and, and I get new ideas from that, you know, from, from the stuff that Jesse will play and, 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 and the stuff that we talk about, you know, it's, it's such an exciting thing to be around. Well, yeah, I mean, we were talking about a bit that kind of the communal aspect of music has been lost in the digital age and it's not uh, you know not like i'm anti-digital it's just pro-analog and that people have made it an impersonal experience do you see that in impacting your writing process at all or how the people interact with you at shows what do you mean just just how did almost how the digital music revolution has impacted how you go about being an artist well i mean last time we went to england nobody really bought our record because they all downloaded it and we haven't been back since because <laughs> we made no money. No, it's because <laughs> if you don't buy the vinyl, you We're will never see us again. <laughs> not really. I, I don't know. I don't think about that. I just want to write good songs. I yeah. want to be around I, good songs and play good songs. I think about it when people are looking at their phones, which I don't see that often in uh, New York. Digital... Yeah, you know the the idea the idea of um, not compensating somebody for work that they've done mm-hmm. is you know just as stupid now as it was in the past. Yeah. So, so you're not really uh, proponents of streaming services. I you know yeah. I I absolutely I I'm very open to changing with times because technology mm-hmm. is changing. You know, sure. I mean, let's yeah. not forget. You know, the, the only reason. What was it Columbia Records or whoever uh, was that first sent a dude out to record the Carter family? Yeah, yeah. Because all those labels, all they recorded was classical music, yeah. but it wasn't until they realized they could make a dollar off of it that they thought, oh, we're going to record this this 
hill music and this race music, they called it, you know? Yeah, race records. And they, they didn't do it to be good guys and to perpetuate the culture of music. They did it because they thought they could make a dollar yeah, off it's of a it. business. And so, and it's, business. it's always been that way, and it's mm-hmm. always going to be that way. The, the, the problem is, is when those sons of bitches don't want to give any money, and they're like, well, but my business... It always comes down to the fact that if you don't have the musician and the song, you don't have a model. Right. There's, you know, it, it's not even... So let's start off right and, and let's cultivate. But, you know, songwriting laws, I think they're the same as, as they were in the 1920s. And, you know, ASCAP and other people have been trying to change those laws. And mm-hmm. that's, that's why Pandora doesn't want to change those laws is because they want to keep it in the, in, in the dark ages. Sure, sure. The culture is changing, you know. Yeah, very the culture much so. of of music is changing, and um, it's important that we somehow remember that music is about community and it's about humanity. Like for me, a song doesn't exist until it's performed. Mm-hmm. A recording of a song is like a two dimensional facsimile of what the song is. When you hear a person, Peter Case said this. He's like, you know, that's that's the thing about a song that's so amazing is that you, you know, you you uh, you can do it for free. And you can do it anywhere. And every time you do it, you breathe life into the song and it yeah. becomes alive again. Until you play it, it's dead. It doesn't exist because you're the one who breathes life into it. Good time for sure. Thanks again to Frank and Cindy for making time to talk. And uh, yeah, go check them out at deadrockwest.com. But before I wrap the episode, it is, of course, time for your weekly Ear Fuel homework. For those of you new to the podcast, each week I assign the listening of a specific album from beginning to end without any distractions. Uh, it comes from the idea, we kind of talked about it in the interview, that I believe in the current era, music has kind of become a background sound. You know, you're driving, you're at work, you're on the subway, cooking, whatever. And this is all about focusing on the music for the sake of the music. So this week, your assignment is to listen to the Everly Brothers. You can go to any of their catalog but the album i definitely want you to check out is called songs our daddy taught us to me the everly brothers are one of those groups that everyone's heard of but man not enough people have actually heard this is a group you have to know if you appreciate music any style of music you really need to be familiar with the everly brothers and this is a fantastic entry point to their catalog it was originally released back in december of 1958 Basically, this album gets released when the Everly Brothers are at the height of their fame as a rock and roll act, and they come out and they do this like roots, folk, almost bluegrassy record. And it took a lot of nerve to do that because it wasn't easy to stay on top in any sort of music at the time, and it was a massive departure from what they were doing. But the record itself is just stunning. It is some of the greatest, most beautiful music and singing you'll ever hear. There's a lot of songs that you're going to hear that artists since then have reworked in so many different ways. This is just one of those records that's rarely far from me. Songs like Lightning Express are going to break your heart. Then there's just gorgeous moments like Barbara Allen. You got Rockin' Alone. I mean, everything is there. Regardless of what styles of music you prefer, there's really no way you're not going to love this album. These are some of the most important songs ever written, so go check it out and you'll be able to understand why the Everly Brothers are such a critical part of music history. And hey, when you're done listening to this album, go and check out Dead Rock West's tribute album for even more amazing vocals and more songs that you need to check out from the Everly Brothers. So that's all for this week. If you enjoyed it, hey, go tell a friend and uh, follow me over on Twitter at Get Ear Fuel. That is your weekly Ear Fuel. Share and enjoy.